You're listening to Living Faith, the podcast of the First Baptist Church of Avon Park, Florida. First Baptist Church is located at 100 North Lake Avenue in Avon Park, Florida. We meet Sunday morning at 9.30 a.m. for Sunday school and 10.45 a.m. for morning worship. Sunday evening services are at 6 p.m. On Wednesday, we meet at 6 p.m. for our weekly Bible study along with our immersive student and children's ministries. Find out more at www.fbcap.net or give us a call at 863-453-6681. You can email us at info at fbcap.net. We'd love to connect with you soon. This is part of our current Sunday morning sermon series, Look and Live, Life and Light in the Gospel of John. Well, take your Bible and find the Gospel of John. I'm just tore up today. I just have to cry all day. I don't know. The Lord will do that to you. Uh, by way of announcement, I always forget to announce this, and I'm always graciously reminded. Uh, when we have communion as a church body, one of the things that we do is we take up an offering. This is for those that are part of our church family. So if you're visiting, do not feel obligated. But we take up an offering as we leave the sanctuary uh, at the end of our service. And we take up this money and it goes to the ministry that we partner with and other churches in our area, the church service center. And so we don't specifically have a, a food pantry and those types of things here at our church. But we contribute to the church service center. And that is the means by which we provide those things in our community. So we always do that when we have the Lord's Supper. So as you exit today and you're part of our church family and you remember that, please leave your offering with the ushers as you make your way uh, out of our service. All right, take your Bible, John 14. John chapter 14. As we've been looking at uh, John's gospel, we, we know that in John chapter 13, the Judas had left, the betrayer has left, and Jesus turns his attention to the disciples as he anticipates the cross. And so 14 and 15 through 18, we see a very intimate conversation with, with Jesus and his disciples. And throughout this section, I was reminded all week that the biblical truths that are real, that are applied to us after his death, burial, and resurrection, his ascension, and the coming of the Spirit was not fully known to the disciples then. So the, a lot of the teachings that you see Jesus referring to is kind of that already a promise that, that Christ is telling the disciples, but it, it will not be completely known and manifested until after the death, burial, resurrection, ascension of Christ, and then the coming of the Spirit. But you remember, turn, turn it to John 14 and, and just kind of see how Scripture wonderfully fits together. You'll notice there at the end of John 13, he, he, he lets the disciples know. So Judas had left, and he looks at the disciples. So put yourself in the disciples' shoes right now. You followed Christ for, for three-plus years. You've, there's the triumphant entry. You've seen the celebration. You, you're looking at Jesus. You've seen the miracles. You know that there is something special about him. Now, they don't have the, the spirit upon them, and, and Christ is not going to the cross yet, but they're looking at, at Christ, and Christ has been teaching everywhere he's gone about him being God in the flesh and his deity, and they've seen the miracles, and he just was in conversations about someone would betray 
betray them. And then Judas leaves. And so they're, they're just kind of hanging on every word that Jesus says. And then here at the end of, of John 13 and verse 33, he looks at them and says, Little children, yet a little while I'm with you. I said, You will seek me. And just as I said to the Jews, so now also say to you, Where I'm going, you cannot come. So put that in your mind. In the upper room. Jesus had just washed their feet, and he's washed their feet, and he's pouring his soul into them. Judas has left, and the, the cross awaits him. They can, they can sense, and they know that something is going on, and all of a sudden, Jesus goes, I'm leaving. I'm leaving. Can you imagine the, the anxiousness? I always picture myself me being one of the 12 and you can be one of the 12 too. I mean, can you imagine me and Wade going, what do you say? What do you mean he's going somewhere? We left everything. He walked on water. <laughs> he raised ladders from the dead and now he's going somewhere. We probably wouldn't be like Peter and Thomas. So that's the setting of John 14. If you've never seen that before, that's the setting of John 14. I'm going to leave. You won't see me anymore. Now here, John 14, verse 1. So if Wade and I were sitting there going, what do you mean he's going to leave? John 14, 1 in a way that only Jesus can. Let not your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. Gosh, what some words. We have communion today. We might not get to communion until about five this afternoon. Is that all right? What words of comfort. Let not your hearts be troubled. You believe in me. You believe in the Father. You believe in God. Believe also in me. This morning, these 14 verses are the words that Jesus gives to the disciples then. Do not let your hearts be troubled. I am about to leave. There are going to be some things happening that you, you're not going to really understand and it's going to be hard for you to wrap your heart and eyes around. There's going to be some terrible things happen. But let not your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. And these 14 verses before the disciples, but you know what? They're also for us. They're for us today and now. Because Jesus did leave. He died. He was put in a borrowed tomb and he rose again on the, the third day and he walked for those many days and then he ascended to the right hand of the Father and then he poured his spirit out upon those that are his, his children, and he says, I'm going to come again. 
And so the same words that Jesus had for the disciples are the same words for us today as we live the Christian life and Jesus not being with us. And he says, the key for your hearts not to be troubled, believe in God, believe also in me. That word believe, there's only one way to really define it, but we define it differently. We do that to a, a lot of terms, I think, in Scripture. There's one, ter- there's one meaning, but what we have done over the years is kind of created our own meaning. Jesus said, believe in God. Put your faith in God. Put your trust in God. Love the Lord with your heart and your mind and your soul and your strength. You you place faith in God and trust in God. You put your faith in me. You put your faith in God because we're one. Believe in God means a, a faith and a trust. If we're not careful in our world, in Christian circles, we define believe as in a, a, a mental ascent of facts. I believe in a Jesus. I believe there is a Jesus. I believe in a God. I believe there is a God. But what we lack, if we're not careful in in church circles, is a, a trust in who God is. I remember going through a, 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 a witnessing uh, training one time, and, and uh, one of the little... One of the little tracks we use, the eternal life track, they're still very good tracks and still available. And I'll never forget the illustration is, you believe that airplane can fly. But it takes trust to sit down in a seat, buckle yourself in it, and take off to so many thousands of feet. You can believe there is a Jesus and that there's a problem with you and Jesus, and there's probably something not right in between that. But it takes faith and trust to realize that Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sin, and by confessing that and entering into a relationship with Christ, you're placing your trust in him. We are in Christ, and Christ is in us. It's so much more than believe. It's faith and trust. Believe in God. Believe also in me. I believe there are three things we can see from this text, and I'm going to move quickly. If you have smartphone technology, you can go to pastorjohnbeck.com. I've got it all there. Don't get surfing the Internet while you're on there, but each week I try to make my outline available so that you can follow along. Look at verses 2 through Six. It says, believe that your hearts not be troubled. Believe in God. Believe all in me. This is what he's saying. This is what you need to believe. Believe this. Place your faith and trust in this, disciples. Today, if you're a born-again believer of Jesus Christ, place your faith and trust in this fact. Let your hearts not be troubled because I'm going to prepare a place for you. I am going And as I am going, we can know our destiny. Isn't that incredible to think about? 
there are a lot of things I don't know how it's going to work. You know, we think about the future. And we think about the future in earthly terms. There's not a, a day goes by that I'm not engaging in someone or someone's engaging in me. Your future, your future, your future, your future. And we don't know. We, we pray and we seek the face of God and we ask for God's discernment. And as we follow scripture and follow the spirit and we follow the things of the word, we'll, we'll be in God's will. But there's so many things outside of our control. But I think we forget this. Our destiny is already taken care of. Have you ever thought about that? If through repentance and faith, we have a relationship with Jesus Christ, he says, let not your hearts be troubled. I've got your destiny. I'm going to, I'm going to prepare a place for you. Now, sometimes we get so hung up on the mansion and the room and the square footage and the wall colors. And sometimes I say things that I know get taken the wrong way, and I apologize for that. I used to try to blame it on all you. And Sharon said, finally, honey, you just need to look at the mirror. I think you're the last one standing. I made some comment, and I might make some comment. I don't really care what heaven looks like. You know, and I, it, it almost comes across flippantly that where Scripture talks about heaven, it's not important. No, I think it's very important. We look at Revelation and the streets of gold and sapphire, the dimensions. I don't get hung up on that. You know why I don't get hung up on that? I don't know. I've heard people say that when I get to heaven, Steve Spurrier is going to be my next-door neighbor. He was on the radio one day, and I was actually listening to what he said. And uh, y'all may not know this, but I have called in to several national talk radio stations. And I'm just known as Pastor John from Florida or Pastor John from Georgia. One time it didn't work out very well, and I was embarrassed on national television, but I did so defending the SEC. So y'all can Google that and see if y'all can hear that. But actually, I was listening to Steve Spurrier on the radio, and I wanted to call in one time, and I thought, I think I, I, think I like you now. But then I, the Spirit came upon me and fixed that. But, but no, we make jokes of that. I'll get to heaven, it'll be Steve Spurrier on the left, and, you know, so-and-so on the right. Or you know, in my, my room, I'm going to have a big backyard, and I'm going to play golf in heaven, and I, oh, hogwash. He, he, I'm going to a mansion, room, it, it, just step away from all of that. There's rooms and we spend so much time. Jesus is going to prepare a place for us so that we may dwell with the Father. It's earthly language. I don't know how big my house is going to be. I, don't, I won't care how big my house is or how big your house is because I'm going to be dwelling with the Father. But no matter what we are going through this side of heaven, there's a place reserved for me on the other side. And it's in the presence of God. I'm not going to be out on the, this side of the neighborhood or that side of the neighborhood or this side of the street or that side of the street or that side of the tracks or whatever we've grown up hearing and that stuff. The dwelling place of God. Jesus says, I'm going to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and I will take you to myself. And that where I am, you may also be. 
what is the mansions? What is the dwelling? What is, what is taking place here? He's going to prepare a place for us. He is going to solidify and secure our eternal destiny. When it talks about that we have been born again and we're born to an eternal life and an abundant life, when Jesus departed the disciples and he went to the cross, he made that available. It's done. It's settled. And he did that for us. I don't know where you're going through right now. There's not a, an individual in this building that is not going through. I, I often say this. I think sometimes we walk in on a Sunday morning and we think everybody else has their life perfectly put together and we're the only ones that are having issues. Can I just simply say this? I'm not a prophet, but I'm going to make a prediction. Every one of us have things we're walking through. Family related, physical related, financial related, job related, uncertainty related. All of us have issues that we are going through this side of heaven. And if we're not careful, we get so bogged down, we forget that we are not alone. We forget this is not it. We need to remember that Jesus has accomplished everything for us and he has prepared an eternal destiny for us. And that eternal destiny starts today. When I leave here, you can cry over me if I want. You can go through my stuff if you want. I'm going to will all my Georgia stuff to all the Florida fans. I'm not, I'm not the things of this earth. I'm, my dwelling place is with the Lord. And I will dwell with my Father. That where I am, you shall be also. I'm going to come and get you. No wonder Jesus says, don't let your hearts be troubled. Now we have to kind of, well, I don't want to get ahead of myself. We, we also have the means though to endure this side of heaven. And I don't mean endure as a drudgery. Jesus said, so then Thomas, I love Thomas. We always want to pick on the disciples. Go back to me and Wade. Do you think Wade and I might have asked a few questions in Tanner if we were sitting in there? So Thomas just asked a question. What do, you, what, do, what do you mean, Lord, we do not know where you're going? How, how are we going to know the way? Lord, you just said you're going and you wouldn't know the way. How are we going to know the way? To God. To the Father. How are we going to know the way? How do we get there? We all know this verse, John 14, 6. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father. We can know our destiny. I am the way. This is what Jesus is saying. It's a, a very narrow marriage. Let me, let me just say this. It's, it's okay to be narrow-minded in a lot of areas. Let me tell you where it's okay to be very narrow-minded. Jesus is the only way to God. One of the greatest hells ever been proclaimed by Satan out of hell is there's many ways to God. And you have your God. And you do God your way. And you believe your way. That is, on the, that is the broad way that leads to destruction, my friend. When Jesus Christ died on that cross with outstretched hands for our sin, he said, I am the way to God. I am the truth in God. See, I love that word truth. We, when, we think, when we start talking about truth and doctrine and what we believe, it tends to come across that we get, ne we get nervous, a little negative, and it's not politically correct. I think we're looking at truth the wrong way. 
I think there's an element of, of taking truth and shouting it from the mountaintops and being involved in apologetics and being able to, to articulate what you believe. But here's how I look at the word truth. When I turn on the news and see the world in an uproar, when I ride down the streets of Avon Park and see a hurting community and neighborhood and state, and they, when I see all of that, I don't look at that. Well, I just need to be out there telling everybody how wrong they are and here's the truth. No, this is what I need to be out there doing. There's a way and there's a truth. You want to have peace in life. You want to have the, the abundant life. You want to have your sins forgiven. You want to know that there's a destiny preserved for you. Believe in Jesus. Yeah, I do believe it's the truth because it is the truth. And the only thing that's going to set you free is the truth. Not angrily and mean-spirited and fundamentalist like a, on a rampage, but with love and mercy and truth. You come alongside a dying world that needs the hope of Christ, and we believe the only thing that is going to help them is saving knowledge of Jesus Christ and the truth of God's Word. Listen, this is the truth of God's Word. It is the, the Word of God from the table of contents to the maps. This is what the world needs to believe. And if we don't believe the word and the truth of God and the mercy and love and the grace that follows it, there's going to be that void and that emptiness and that despair and that hurting. Jesus says, I'm the way to God. I'm the truth of God. I'm the life of God. The whole debate that's been raging in John is who is God? How do we get to God? We have the works that get us to God and Jesus has been saying no I am God. Believe in me. Believe in him who sent me the Father. I and the Father am one. So having a right relationship with God was a pretty big deal to the Jewish people. We need to know our destiny. He's preparing a place for us. He has prepared a place for us. And as a believer, our name is already written in the Lamb's book of life. And he says, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. No one comes to the Father except Jesus Christ. Think of it this way. I've come to the Father because John Beck placed his faith in Jesus Christ. And just as Jesus and the Father are one, I have a personal relationship with God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit because of Jesus Christ. No, no other religion or ism or belief can provide that. Only hope and peace are found in Jesus Christ. Let not your hearts be troubled. Know your destiny. Let not your hearts be troubled. If you've known me, verse 7, you would have known the Father. From now on, you do not know him and have seen him. From now on, you do know him and you have seen him. Again, Philip. Lord, show us the Father and it is enough for us. You just said, have I been with you so long that you do not know us, me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. So, Philip. Excuse me, he's got a great question. Hey, show me the Father. Jesus says, I am the Father. When you see Jesus, you see the Father. 
When you see Jesus, you see God. When you see Jesus, you have God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Jesus is God. The Father is God. The Spirit is God. Jesus is not the Father. The Father is not the Spirit. See how that works? What Jesus did, he says, let not your hearts be troubled. Not only am I going so that I can prepare your destiny, but I am going so that you will know the Father. You want to talk about a personal relationship. Let me tell you how much I love modern technology this morning. I got a great illustration. I've never, never thought about how grandchildren and God tie together. It's amazing what happens to a grandparent the minute they become a grandparent. I'm sitting at my desk this morning. I've got the pastor not got his hair fixed, pajama look. And if one of y'all would have knocked on the door, I'd have stumbled around for 30 minutes trying to find a ball cap and a shirt to put on while I looked presentable. My little phone rang and I saw FaceTime with grandchild. The minute I saw that little face, Sharon, she threw me off the chair and come running in there. And within seconds, her and I both went into that. She's kind of looking at the phone. and Who does that? I tell you who does that, a grandparent. I don't do that to you. Have you come knock on my door? I have had neighbors that have come knocked on my door in the middle of the night, but I didn't come to the door in my pajamas going, bah, 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 bah. <laughs> My goal in life is to sing Ray Charles, Georgia on my mind every week to my granddaughter. Georgia, Georgia. Why do you do that? Because that child is mine. And I want her to know that. And that I love her. I think I get just as tore up seeing Brantley be a father than I do tore up that that's my grandchild. Why? Because that's that. I mean, it's just, you can't understand that. That's me and my father. When Jesus went to the cross, I have a relationship with my heavenly father. Not because I'm Baptist or not because I've signed this or I've acknowledged that or I belong to this. I have a relationship with Jesus, with my father, because of what I have done through Jesus Christ. Christ alone, me and my father. Now, I've been in some youth group type things, and Matt and I talk about this, and we both roll our eyes when the, the youth speaker comes out in the youth group and tries to be so relevant to the kids, and he talks to God as daddy. I'm not going that route. I know that Abba Father is a personal endearment, but it's more of a reverent relationship to me. He is my father. That is only through Jesus Christ. Let me let you in on a little secret. If you've got that relationship with your father right now, you know it. If you don't, you know it. That's what the conviction of the Holy Spirit does. 
When Jesus left the disciples and he said, let not your hearts be troubled, this is what he was saying. I'm going to make a relationship with you and my father, and it will be your father. Then he looks at the disciples and he says, let not your hearts be troubled. And this is where really we, we begin to understand it. Look at verses 12. Look at verse 12. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me and the works I do, greater works than these will he do because I'm going to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. Think about what's going on now. So Christ is in the upper room. He knows what's about to happen to him. He knows what's about to happen to them. And he says, I'm going, let you, not your hearts be troubled. I, I'm going so that you may know your destiny. I'm going to prepare your destiny. I'm going, let not your hearts be troubled because I'm going to enter what I'm about to do. You're going to have access to the Father. You and the Father are going to have a relationship through me. We're all going to have a relationship. And this relationship is going to be manifested by what I'm about to do on the cross. But he says, let not your hearts be troubled. I'm going to equip you for everything you need until I come again. See, there would be a, the side of this. You know, if, that, if those were, verses weren't there, you could almost look at it this way. Well, let's just hang out into the upper room. Okay, Jesus has gone and prepared a place for me. I'm waiting on it. I got it. Me and the Father are one. I got that. I'm just going to hold tight. Think about the Father. Think about heaven one day. Jesus said, no. Because until I, until I come again, sin is real. Persecution is real. Satan is going to be on the war path in just a few days. He's going to be defeated, Jesus in mind. He's going to be defeated, but I'm telling you what, he is madder than a wet hen right now. And that roaring lion is running around and he is causing all types of havoc, is he not? But Jesus said, hold on. I'm not leaving you alone. Though I'm with you. But I'm also equipping you. Now think about this to do greater things than I did. Now, we can take that and run with it and get real weird with it. I mean, that'd be like me sitting on the edge of a lake and saying, when Jesus walked on water, I'm going to walk on water, and I'm going to have enough faith, and I can do greater works than them, and I'm going to take about four or five steps out there and go straight to the bottom. Well, two steps, one step. It's not what that means. We're not... Naming and claiming and having gifts and doing greater things and raising the dead. No, 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 no. Jesus is saying, I'm going to the Father. And we're sending the Spirit. And when that Spirit comes upon you, it's interceding with the Son and the Father. And that Spirit is going to touch the heart of these apostles. And I'm going to send my word. And just as clear as the words of the prophets of the old and just as clear as my words in the New Testament, the Spirit is going to send the word and you're going, you are going to have everything you need to live this life out and to live it well. He says, Truly, truly, I say to you, who believes me, greater works than these he will do because I'm going to the Father. People say, Pastor, I can't do it. Yes, you can because it's already been done for you. You can do it because the Father says you can. 
and the Father's given you everything you need to do it. That's encouraging to me. Father, I can't do it. Yes, you can. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do. Now, we know, we know. Don't do it jumping off on that now. When we pray in the power of the Spirit, we're praying in the power of God himself. And the Spirit takes our heart and conforms it to the Father's will. I always go back to my grandmother. Had a stroke and, and lost a lot of her functionality. I remember I, I shut the door to the hospital room and was in there by myself and got on the bed beside her, cried out. Not mad, but just want to make sure God heard it. Might have been a busy day. Wanted to make sure he heard me. I said, God, you heal her right now. Heal her. Get her up out of this bed right now. Or you take her. Do not leave her like this. That was my prayer. Guess what happened as I continued to pray that prayer? It wasn't long that day. I was there by myself. It wasn't long that day as I kept praying that prayer. That prayer went from to heal her, to take her, to God, continue to use her. She lived about two more years, and God just did what? Continued to use her. Did God give me what I asked? Yes, because I asked what the Father gave me. I'm not going to be all spiritual and say sometimes our prayers aren't selfish. We start praying. But the more we keep praying, the more we pray the will of the Father. Sometimes it's yes. Sometimes it's no. Sometimes it's wait. I'm going to take her. And I'm going to heal her. Just not right now. And I think of all the disciples went through for Christ and the testimony of faith they have. God kept his word to those disciples, didn't he? We read about missionaries. We, we look in history and we see God's faithfulness over his people. That's the same father with the same destiny and the same relationship and the same means to live out the Christian life. I'm going to ask our deacons to come at this point, and I'm going to pray as they come. Do you know Jesus Christ in this way? Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. Let's bow for prayer. Lord, as we enter into a time of remembering, we are so grateful for your life, death, resurrection. Lord, your ascension, you're mediating all that you do for us. I think about the, the timeliness of being in this exact spot as we have communion this morning. Let not your hearts be troubled for us today. Let not your hearts be troubled. My body was broken on that cross. Let not your hearts be troubled 
My blood was shed on that cross. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. And this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. In just a moment.